Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Week 1 complete of the 134th edition of the Championships. How good has it been to have Wimbledon back after its cancellation 12 months ago? Yes, late nights here in Oz, but the sight of the All England Lawn Tennis Club on our screens, the pristine grass courts, although at times representing the ski slopes of Mount Buller for the beginner struggling to stay vertical, and the British crowd whipped into a frenzy, just about shaking the foundations of our buildings back here. There was rain and sunshine mixed in together, and the schedule remained on track. The Duchess of Cambridge, the patron of Wimbledon, popped in to help prepare the strawberries. There was plenty of pims consumed. And on court, the action was far from dull. Another Serena attempt to equal Margaret Court's record came and went, succumbing to injury in the first round, in possibly her last appearance on centre court. Oh dear. Oh no. But now, it looks like that dream is becoming a bit of a nightmare. Oh dear. Looks like that's it. She's given it everything. What a shame. Is that a last goodbye? A very difficult watch. It's just absolutely tragic, Simon. I just can't believe what we've just watched unfold out here. It's just too painful for words. Williams, one of five top ten women's seats to fall, and a name popped up that we least expected. An 18-year-old British wildcard ranked 338 in the world in a run to the fourth round. Her name, Emma Raducanu. I was so overwhelmed and the last point, I kind of just dropped my racket and fell to the floor, but it was just all so instinctive and in the moment, I had no idea what just happened. Right now, I'm just on such a buzz and such a high. Good news for all Aussie tennis fans. The singles campaign for world number one Ash Barty is still alive, reaching the fourth round for the second time running at SW19. And a date tonight with the reigning French Open champion. Very privileged to be in the second week of Wimbledon again. This is one of genuinely one of my favourite weeks of the year. So to be prolonging my stay is um, is a lot of fun. But I'm looking forward to the challenge. Barbara's been playing some incredible stuff recently, and um, I've never played it before, so it's going to be going to be a new one. Speaking of Aussies, our number two, Isla Tomlanovic, also made it through to the last 16 of a major for the first time since 2014. And a war of words to go with it, with her opponent Yelena Ostapenko accusing her of faking injury. But are you taking in any, any consideration that she looked fine for an hour and 30 and now there's an acute injury? There was nothing wrong with her the whole match, but then why on 4-0, she calls it. I think that that's a clear reason that she just wanted to get me off my game. Usually, if you are dealing with an injury, at least this is how I go about it, you maybe say, hey, can you call the physio on the next changeover? You don't just go and sit down when your opponent's about to serve to go up five love potentially. So that's one. Game-wise, there was nothing wrong with her. From my side, I played her. I played many people. I know when someone's injured and when they're not. And then to top it all off, for her to call me disrespectful at the end of the match is just, at that point, it's laughable. And I think is disgraceful behavior from someone that is a slam champion because kids look at her and, and what they see that. I'm sorry that uh, if she was injured, she could have gone about, about it in a way better way. On the Aussie men's side, Jordan Thompson, Nick Kyrgios and James Duckworth were the best performed, getting to the third round. Novak Djokovic still remains the short price favourite, even though he was asked this holistic question about his overall journey to get to the top. 
And in some ways, do you think you're the ultimate underdog to be here today from where you've come as a child? Oh, well, it depends how you see it. I don't consider myself an underdog. I, I just had a journey that is uh, probably different from most of the other players that are on the tour and upbringing. And I'm not complaining about it. Actually, I, I'm not regretting anything. I am grateful that I've been through that journey because it had helped me to become a man and a player that I am today and allowed me to uh, you know, learn things about myself and how to have a strong character. And at 39, Roger Federer is still in the draw, dreaming of winning his favourite tournament possibly one last time. Today, you've won uh, this third round match, which means that you're through to the fourth round of a Grand Slam for the 69th time. Is that a number that you're proud of, or are you only interested in number nine a week on Sunday? It's a, it's a nice stat to hear. Uh, it proves to me that when I do wake up in the morning that that has happened, you know, because I, <laughs> I feel stiff or, and, uh, I don't know, uh, I played a lot of tennis, but uh, look, I've, I've loved every minute of it, uh, and uh, I hope there's a little bit more left in me, and uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pleasure. Um. We've had the traditional rest day Sunday and turn the page into the second week. Tonight, the quest starts for a spot in the Wimbledon quarterfinals. Welcome to the First Serve, your home of tennis, thanks to First Serve Tennis Sunscreen, a sunscreen designed specifically for tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au. And GLG Greenlife Group, your open space specialists at glgcorp.com. Brad Phillips, it's over to you to begin week two of the championships. Thank you, Matthew. Very nicely done. Recharged after a good night's sleep. Uh, ready to go for a big uh, second week. For the second time, Ash Barty, our hope, is in the fourth round. Looking to go one step further, at least, than the last edition of the championships back in 2019 when she fell to the American Allison Risk. We want to dream bigger than that, that she can lift the Venus Rosewater dish by week's end, but it's one hurdle at a time. We've talked a bit about the other Aussie left in the singles draw, Isla Tomlanovic, across the journey and always thinking she's capable of stepping up to greater heights. Tonight, a big opportunity awaits to reach her maiden major quarterfinal. Around our Aussies, there is an 18-year-old British wildcard, a 17-year-old American in a throwback to teens doing damage at the slams. A past Wimbledon champion in Angelique Kerber, a second seed desperate to prove herself on the biggest tennis stage from Belarus. A Tunisian making history for her country. And a young girl from Poland, a slam winner already, who is becoming a regular fixture at this stage of a major. On the men's side, the task of dethroning Novak, easier said than done. Medvedev, Rublev, Berrettini, Zverev, his fellow top tenors still intact. And then there is the next pack of Dennis, Felix, Sebastian, with her youthful exuberance, wanting a decent taste of week two at a major. Good evening, everybody. Welcome along. Wimbledon week two, we're all feeling recharged. I can't believe the rest day is going to be uh, banished uh, next year forever because I think we all love a rest day uh, during uh, the slams. one 736 736 Very happy to take uh, your calls uh, right throughout the next uh, hour and a half. one 736 736 Your thoughts on week one at Wimbledon? Always plenty of prizes to give away. We've got the first serve tennis sunscreen, copies of the Australian Tennis Magazine, 
plenty more uh, coming your way. one 736 736 Or you can uh, get us tonight, of course, on the uh, Tennis Direct text 0433981116. Australia's favourite online tennis store. Fast delivery, great prices, free delivery on orders over $150. Visit tennisdirect.com.au right now. You can get that 10% discount store-wide and uh, use the promo code uh, FIRSTSERVE10. It looks like the weather is good to start uh, week number two. All the round of 16 matches, as traditionally, uh, played on the Monday uh, for the last time. It'll be spread across Sunday and Monday uh, from next year onwards. Ash Barty from 10 o'clock uh, tonight. Ola Tomlanovic will be the third match on that particular court. But there are four matches getting underway as we speak. Let's go to our man Josh Gavlich, who's been on the ground all week for the first serve, doing some great work for our socials, thefirstserve.com.au. I think he's found his way to the rooftop on court 18, which is absolutely magnificent. It's the best uh, perch there at Wimbledon. Josh, uh, great to have you on the show. Oh, a pleasure to be with you again, Fred. It's, it's a beautiful start to the day, so hopefully it's, it's not like last week where we had a really wet start to the tournament. We got through that first week without having to activate the, the rest day, which, as you just mentioned, will be a thing of the past going forward next year, which... I love tradition and know a lot of people here are a bit disappointed to see that gone, but I think it's uh, a modern sport when you think about uh, a weekend and a way to waste such a, a crucial part of the weekend. So you can understand why that's been removed going forward, but I think everyone's a bit rejuvenated because it was a pretty hectic first week of the tournament. Yeah. And now we look ahead, the whips are cracking, and as you mentioned, 16 round of 16 matches today to look forward to. Well, the matches that are just starting. So Arena Sabalenka, the number two seed, who's trying to make her mark at a major. She's been able to get to about this stage and the wheels have not fallen off, but she hasn't quite been able to execute the way she'd like. She takes on Rybakina. Uh, that's a, a tough matchup who uh, certainly displayed some good tennis at the French Open. Uh, we've also got uh, the one I'm watching on my other monitor here, Josh, screens everywhere. The one I'm looking forward to today, Iga Sviontek and Anjabur. This is... A great matchup of two players that are um, uh, certainly in Eager's case, she's already won a slam, and Ons is creating history for her country. That's a great matchup. And uh, underway out on court 12, the Italian, who's a fair chance to go very deep into this tournament, Matteo Bettatini. Maybe he's inspiring his uh, partner, Isla Tomlianovic, at the moment. He's taking on Ilya Ravashka, a surprise fourth round uh, matchup. But everywhere you look, Josh, there are just quality matches on, uh, on today. Oh, there's so much quality today. As you, as you said, it's the last time we're going to see so much quality on the one day, given we'll see it spread across the Sunday and the Monday in 2022 and beyond. But it's really exciting. We just hope that the weather holds out because there is a forecast for some showers around the middle part of the day, but the weather's been so unpredictable here. So hopefully <laughs> yeah. we'll see plenty of quality tennis. And, and you mentioned in, in, the, in your prelude, I just caught the end of it, the teams, I mean, that's been probably one of the biggest storylines of the first week. The fact that we've got a 17-year-old and an 18-year-old in the fourth round of Wimbledon, it's just mm. incredible, especially those two players and the stories. And and obviously, the Euros have been the major part of the UK and London yep. in the past two, three weeks, especially in the last week with Germany and Ukraine, those wins. But Emma has been... If not the biggest story, just behind that, it's been incredible the coverage that she's garnered this week and the fact it's her debut. 
Grand Slam. It's just incredible that this wild card's in the fourth round. Yeah, it's blown my mind, to be totally honest. 338 in the world, here she is. And then, yeah, Coco Goff, I mean, she is destined for stardom in the sport, there's no doubt. We'll get to your calls in just a tick. Hold tight, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Josh, um, as you look back at uh, week number one, you've been there, you've soaked it up. I mean... I felt the walls shaking here from the roar of uh, centre court, particularly when Murray played those couple of matches. Anytime Federer plays, he gets a, a standing ovation like no other. They do uh, know their tennis back to front. They not only support the Brits, but they just appreciate great tennis, don't they? I mean, I've never seen a, a longer standing ovation from a crowd um, at any sporting event than what they do at Wimbledon. As you know, the, the two centre courts here, Pretty close, and when something's going on in one court, you can feel it on the other. It's just incredible the noise that they've generated, and they've been half full because of the capacity restrictions due to COVID. I mean, that's being brought in a bit more this week. Obviously, building up to 100% uh, for the quarterfinals now, which is which is a great result. That news came out yesterday as well as quarterfinals, as yeah. well as the semis and the final, of course. So you're right that the noise that that these stadiums generate, and especially because the English public. Like when I was like, we've been starved of love sport for so long. It's here, especially just because of the level of cases. So it's been real excitement. It's felt really normal. I've asked a lot of people that have been coming here for a long time, and they say you can't really tell the difference. Obviously, there's a lot of masks being worn, and, and people have to test negatives before entering the ground. But I think that's an incredible normal. So yeah. it's been exciting to be around so much high-quality sport and so many great storylines. We've already spoken about, I mean, I'm sure you're going into great detail in the next hour and a half, but it's amazing that there are so many great storylines, not just from an Australian perspective, but across the whole sport. No doubt. Josh, uh, we'll get back to you in the next hour with the matches underway, get your thoughts and a couple of other discussion points. Uh, Josh Gablich, uh, there he is uh, on the ground for us, uh, brought to you by uh, Matthew Steer, accountants and advisors. Work for the accounting firm where you're more... Then just a number. Great to have matthewssteer.com.au for career opportunities on board with us here at the First Serve. Damien in Frankston North has been holding on patiently. Damo, welcome to the show. BP, how are you going? Very good, thanks. Good. Just got the chance on the background at the moment, so yeah, watching that. Um, but just enjoying the coverage on Channel 9. I think they're doing a good job. Thank you very much. It's been good fun. Been good fun, I've got to tell you. Uh, we're going to get Grothy on uh, shortly. He'll have a, a chat to us. He's there. Um... No, really good to have uh, Wimbledon on nine, the French on nine. Unfortunately, the US Open nine don't have the rights uh, to that later on in the year, so we'll get that on uh, on Fox. But, yeah, I mean, that was always the deal. When Channel 9 signed on with Tennis Australia for that five-, six-year deal worth about $300 million, the promise was to provide more tennis uh, that Seven um, hadn't done previously. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we're going to hopefully see a lot more tennis in in, uh, in different shapes and form on uh, Channel 9 going into the next sort of 12 months to uh, two years. Who wins from here, Damien, do you think? Uh, the what, the Wimbledon? Uh, yes, uh, Wimbledon. Uh, no, the, the Frankston Classic, actually. No, Wimbledon, I'm only being smart. I'm being a smart <laughs> um, in the For the women's and men's or just the women's? Uh, give me the men, think... men and uh, a woman, please. Uh, I think Barty. And I'm also going Djokovic. They're both in action tonight, nice. so I'm looking forward to watching both of them. You've gone out in the limb. I like it. Uh, thank you, mate. Nice uh, call. Appreciate that. Uh, just some breaking news uh, coming through as we go to air. Roger Federer confirmed will be at the Tokyo Olympics. Uh, the Swiss Olympic team 
has just um, finalised uh, this squad and RF will attend his uh, fifth Olympic Games this summer. Will he finally manage to win that gold medal uh, in singles that he has uh, certainly uh, wanted? So good to see Fed going. A few have dropped out, but he's going to be there. Uh, Mark's in Sydney. Mark, welcome. Evening, BP. How are you? Very good, thanks. Good. I just want to say thanks for your coverage, uh, which is always a pleasure to listen to, especially with your shows uh, on Tuesday nights like you usually do. It's always a great pleasure to listen to. So thank you for that. Uh, pleasure. And uh, I must say that I've been very impressed with uh, Nick Kyrgios in uh, this tournament. I reckon he's matured a lot. He's on the court. He's improved his ability a whole lot, especially playing doubles with Venus Williams. And they are a surprisingly effective doubles combination. And I think they can go far if they manage to keep up as well as they've been doing. Well, they're on the schedule tonight. We think Nick's going to play. I mean, obviously, there's less strain on the ab and the uh, hip flexor uh, playing a bit of mixed doubles uh, with Venus. So they're on the schedule uh, for what the, the fourth match on the number three court. So uh, some time away. We'll see if Nick um, uh, certainly rocks up. Look, I'll just give you this as a, a quick thought. I've already said this a few times in uh, various uh, radio crosses uh, today. I think... Really, it's gone to script with Nick Kyrgios in the last week. So he enters the draw for limited preparation. Anyone you match him up with in the early rounds, he's got more talent on his little finger to beat uh, X, Y, and Z. Uh, so tick. Uh, entertain? Yep, tick. People love that. People are going along. They, they love the chatter. They love the crowd engagement. They love the tweeners. They love the theatrics. So another tick. Physically, he's come undone. That happens all the time. If you haven't done the work, you can't expect to go through and win seven matches at a Grand Slam. And in his own words, he said, I did everything to prepare. I trained a little bit, all in the one sentence. Well, you can't just train a little bit and expect to come out and do well at a Grand Slam because the ab, the hip flex, that's the area takes a real pounding. And the better quality opponents that you play, so he's up against Felix on the weekend, who's established himself as a top 20 player. And it's it's unforgiving uh, at that level. So that's that, look, my own personal point of view. That's the disappointment for me that he doesn't go um, much further than three or four rounds in a in a Grand Slam when he has got that much talent. It is just laughable. Anyway, I've divorced myself from the total emotion uh, surrounding uh, Nick Kyrgios. Let's just enjoy the show, enjoy a bit of entertainment. He's the warm up act uh, for week two, and uh, we'll leave it at that. If you want to add any comments, one three hundred seven three six. 736. Happy to take more of your calls. Uh, Lou Fleming coming up very shortly over in the UK. She'll drill down on Barty and Tom Lenovich uh, tonight. We'll speak to Sam Groth uh, very shortly to dissect our mem. What has been the pass mark? Is it acceptable that we had three in the third round? Uh, certainly Jordan Thompson was one who probably should have gone deeper with the matchup he had on the weekend. Uh, we'll hear from Priscilla Hon, who's in quarantine uh, back here in Australia. And we'll hear a bit more from Isla Tom Lenovich with the spat uh, with Yelena Ostapenko across the weekend. You're listening to The First Serve, all thanks to Tennis Direct, Australia's favourite online tennis store. You can log on, use that promo code FIRSTSERVE10, go shopping on us uh, tonight. Uh, get that 10% discount when you go to tennisdirect.com.au. Welcome back to The First Serve, Monday night, week two of the championships. I can tell you it's sunny, rest day complete. All the fourth round matches being played today. A few of them are live uh, as we speak. Of course, Ash Barty and Ola Tomlanovich a little bit later on. Matteo Berrettini's already got the break on Ilya Avashka of Belarus, uh, three games to one. Uh, Sebastian Korda, we've been talking about this great story 
uh, right throughout the last seven days. His sister becoming world number one in golf and his dad a former Grand Slam champion and world number two in Seb Quarter. A week ago, took the scalp of the young Aussie Alex Dimonor in the first round and he's continued on to make this fourth round. He's taking on Karin Hutchinov, uh, the Russian, who was the first of the Russians to emerge ahead of Medvedev and Rublev and then they overtook him. And he's taken a bit of a, a back seat, hasn't done a lot at the majors or the, the, the general tour events for a little while. He sort of consolidated his ranking, but um, hasn't really kicked on. And that's a, a big match against Seb Corder, who's flying at the moment. So Corder leading that one uh, two games to one. Uh, Elena Rybakina, uh, the tall Russian, up against Arena Sabalenka, who only knows how to play one way, and that's full throttle. There is no subtlety at all to the... Um, Sabalenka game. It's 2-1 Robert Kenner at the moment and on Shabur, Shane Leonard, her data analyst who's doing all the work right here in Melbourne for Ons, flying the flag for Tunisia. She played a magnificent match against Muguruza on centre court across the weekend. So here's Muguruza who's elegant, very regal, stands upright in the court, loves to just have it in a hitting zone of both wings and on Shabur just kept throwing in drop shots after drop shot after drop shot after drop shot and uh, she'd had enough. Had a gutful uh, by the end, uh, having to run to get to all those drop shots. On Jabir, three games to one. She's got the early running against Iga Sviontek. But the two Aussies are playing tonight. Barty, Tom Lenovich, uh, Louise Fleming is over in the UK. Uh, she's commentating uh, for the World Feed. In fact, commentating right now the Ryber Kenda Sabalenka match. So I grabbed Lou a little bit earlier to look ahead to the two Aussies in action tonight. I've been pretty excited to watch uh, Isla play. I went out and watched her first match against Greet Menon. That was, yeah, it was a great match. And I really feel like Isla's playing with a different sense of confidence at the moment, really committing to her game when it got tight in that second set. Uh, she won 7-6, uh, 7-5 in that tiebreaker. I just felt like she knew what she was doing out there and she really trusted it. I wonder if that's not a little sneaking kind of confidence coming from her boyfriend, Matteo. It just, she really is bringing something a bit different to the court at the moment. And he's a huge chance to go extremely deep and, and maybe get to a, a semi final, maybe beyond. Uh, he is playing a great tennis this year after this t- tough start to the year with, uh, with injury. I mean, Isla, I've always thought, Lou, and I bow to your better judgment, but I've always thought technically been very sound off both wings. I mean, she can compete. We saw that amazing match against Halep at the Australian Open where she had Halep in the the cusp of her hand, just couldn't quite seal the deal that day. She's been ranked inside the top 40 before. She's commented over the weekend that she's found sort of the COVID period a little tough and that we've seen the dip in form and the ranking slip out to the 70s, the 80s, struggling to get past that second round. But she's always looked the part out on court. I mean, what, what do you put it down to? The game itself, technical game, and then there's this mental game, which is often the, the tough hurdle to overcome for a lot of players. Yeah, look, I think there's a very good link between the two. I remember seeing Isla as a a 15-year-old playing in Europe in the juniors and she played around the Sally Pierce time. They played doubles together and I obviously travelled a lot with Sal and even as a youngster, Isla was solid all around. Great serve. A dad, you know, volleyball player and taught her how to use that action really well. Backhand, super solid. Movement, incredible. The little chink in the armoury was the forehand and I just feel that 
you know, when you really, that gets stuck in your mind at a young age, it's very hard to get out of. And in a way, it always looks good and she gets maybe around a fraction, you know, too far on the forehand. And But under pressure in the past, it, it's kind of broken down. It's been one of those things. And I feel now she's kind of, and I don't know if this is just a mental change, whether it's something that's happened over the last 12 months with the WTA and the ATP. We're seeing players come through and breakthrough. Just a flurry of confidence from players. And I think Babora Krachikova, she's she's shown that. We're getting players come through that haven't. And and I think Isla's just, you know, just maybe at that age of maturity where she's just like, I'm, I'm just going for this now. And for me, I think it is mental. And I do think it, it perhaps does link back to Mateo. He's probably like, your forehand's great. Use it and go for it. And I just feel that's what she's really changed. When I watched her under pressure, she was going for it. And I loved it. So the way the draws panned out, this is such a winnable fourth round against an absolute surprise packet. When we're doing all the analysis leading in, a British wildcard, 18 years of age, ranked in the 300s. No one could have predicted she'd be at this stage. So she's riding this wave of emotion. She's whipped the British crowd into an absolute frenzy and they'll be right behind her on the number one court uh, today. Isla will be hoping to silence uh, them. Uh, Just match that up in a preview for us. Yeah, I actually sat on court number one and watched that match with Kostea and Radicanu again. Wow. She's got a head and shoulders far beyond her years. But what youngster, 18-year-old, I mean, I don't know whether you're American, Australian or, uh, you know, French or, or British, under that pressure in your own country and I feel the British press are the hardest of any in the world I mean they ride their players they put so much pressure on them you know you look at this Emma Raducanu before she goes on for a match she's got a cast of 25,000 standing around her giving information (laughs) for her to manage all of this and to go out and under pressure I mean she held her nerve like uh, like a a seasoned pro I was really impressed I mean not only that she's doing her A-levels so she's not putting 100% into her tennis She's out on court, she's smiling. She is so delightful to watch. Her game from the back of the court just doesn't break down. Every time Kirstea came up with something big, she just stepped up. I mean, I just wonder if she's going to feel it. This is just now getting more and more pressure. Now this is a fourth round match. She's been great in the first three. You just wonder. I mean, it's going to be such a tight battle. You would think that Isla's going to be able to use her experience and that she can get that. But you just don't know because we haven't seen Raducanu go this far and we don't know what an 18-year-old is capable of. Fascinating matchup today. Let's look at the other Aussie. I've got to say I'm nervous. Ash up against Barbara Krejcikova, French Open champion. She's on a 10-game tear at the majors. We always knew she was, you know, pretty solid at singles. She's made her name in doubles, obviously, with Cynthia Kova winning all those uh, grand slams. But, I mean, both of them are, are very capable singles players. So she's seen off one of them, one of the Czechs, and now she's got to deal with Krejcikova. Um, what, what's your feeling heading into this? I thought Ash's third round was much better than certainly yeah. the first two rounds where she was a little scratchy and obviously not coming in with any leading form and coming straight from the French, overcoming the injury. Give us your take, Lou. What's going to happen tonight? Well, it's a box of chocolates, isn't it? No, it's, it is interesting because I, I've watched Ash bits and pieces throughout. I haven't been able to sit down and watch her whole matches, but certainly watched a bit of the Suarez-Navarro one. That I think you can take that one out. That was an extremely emotional match. You know, even though, you know, Ash had uh, a lot of compassion for, for Carla. So sometimes under that, you don't bring your best. She barely served over 50% in that match. Now for Ash, who's the leading server in aces this year so far in 2021, she needs to bring that product because the 
rest of her game really does build around that. As the matches went through, she got better against Blinkova and then certainly she was much better against Tinyakova. I felt her, her service was up around the 64% mark. She was starting to come a little bit more. She's certainly looking a lot more comfortable. Mm. She's played three matches, though, on centre court. The next one is on court number one. So that'll bring a different flavour and a different feel as well, uh, walking onto a different stadium. Of course, Ash had a very good first half of the year up until Rome. The elbow situation taking time away and then obviously in the French, disappointment. Well, this is about the right time where Babora grabbed the baton from Ash and started to play some great tennis. I mean, winning in Strasbourg, then winning in the French and then turning up here without a match under her belt. I thought, no chance. She's going to have her feet it's got to be a different situation here. She probably won't get past a couple of matches just because of yep. the whole different feel about what you bring to a tournament. She has been incredibly good. I mean, so impressive. I did the match with Sevastova as well. Mm. She wasn't feeling great, but she found a way. And I feel there's this new sense of calm coming over her play, which is very dangerous. When you match them up, we know we know all about yep. Ash. We know her court craft, her game, her strengths, what she does. You just... Every part of the court, the slicing, the angles, and the you know the forehand uh, to great value and the, the serve, getting those free points, and then Krejcikova because she's been so successful at doubles, so comfortable getting forward. We saw it at the French where she can also just work the ball into all parts of the court. She's got lots of dimensions. So when you put them together as a first time matchup, what are you visualising? What are you seeing out there? Really interesting, isn't it? It's almost, I mean, Krejcikova almost has a little bit more of a powerful game. She can almost use her forehand equally as good as Ash but she's a very strong player and you're right they bring such similar games big serve I think the match is going to come down to because I know Ash is going to use her slice trying to get that ball low trying to force Babora to kind of stay back so she can create opportunities to come in both of these players are going to try to to work the the most of the shots I think heavy into the forehand then try to come into that backhand very quickly where they Mm. can pull that slice get into the net and try to use the volleys as much as possible. And I think the other part of it, whoever can use their forehand out of a low position is going to be the one that's going to be able to really control the match too because they really will try to affect each other in that same way. And if they sit there and we get into these kind of backhand slice, backhand slice, I think, you know, then it becomes a really evens out the match. Whoever can really pick that shot, go the inside in on the forehand and use the forehand really effectively. And of course, it's a no-brainer. Who's going to serve well? Ash has to serve high numbers. She's got to be aggressive off that first shot because Babora, she's going to do the same. She's got a terrific serve. She can change it up, got more reach than Ash. So, you know, it, it's really tough. It's I think it really is about one, the forehand, who can use that more effectively? Who's going to come in onto that backhand and force the other one to slice and, and take control of the match from there? So the thoughts of uh, Lou Fleming looking ahead tonight to Tom Lanovich and also Barty in action. Our two remaining singles hopes at this year's uh, Wimbledon uh, Championship. So Lou uh, brought to us thanks to uh, Matthew Steer, accountants and advisors. It's great to have them on board here at the First Serve. You can work for the accounting firm where you're more than just a number. So head to their website, visit matthewsteer.com.au for career opportunities. A quick break. We'll come back. Uh, We'll take uh, your calls on the other side and Sam Groth to join us on the first serve. Week two of the championships. Uh, Brett Phillips with you tonight. Give us a call, 1300 736 736. Sam Groth in just a moment from uh, Channel 9 headquarters. Uh, Greg's in Strathbogie, one of our favourite callers. G'day, Greg. G'day, Brett. What a show. Really enjoying it. Thank you. 
Good on you, mate. Great to have you well, on board. Thank you. Yeah, when I was listening to you talk to Lou, I was thinking, what a great coach she would be for Nick. Why do you think that? I mean, intrigued to uh, tap into your great well, tennis she, mind. She's been working. She's been working in Sydney. I had the pleasure of having a hit with her and Brian in Manly Tennis Club. Yep. She's been working on the coalface with people who are homeless and other things. She's smart as she knows every player she analyses. She's a fantastic coach, but she's also got a lot of steel. She is one tough young lady. No, she's and I just yep. she's awesome. I, I just think she'd be a no nonsense. Um, I kind of agree with you. I love the little tricks that Nick can do, but. Um, I noticed a video come out this week from Steve Harris in um, Albury, which showed Margaret Smith training mm-hmm. with Stan Nichols. Yep. And the level of training was elite. Now, if Nick were to do that or could find enjoyment of that or could find a coach that could take him there, the guy could be brilliant. Well, of course. I just yeah. don't get it. No. I well, just don't get it. Well, I don't get it either, but... That's that's what he uh, that's what he wants to be. So he, he's clearly started it, and that's okay. I mean, I've just uh, I've just backed away now and gone. Okay, well, it's it's a good bit of entertainment for the first week of a major. Uh, so he's going to play some dynamic tennis and all the the rest that goes with it. But we sort of know the script of what's going to happen. So if you don't do the work, I mean, that's like any elite sport, isn't it? If you don't do the work, you're going to be found out. Um, uh, and, and not go the, the journey of your, your full potential. But um, you, you, if the want's not there, uh, then, then you know, you're not going to get there. And that's okay. Everyone's going about it uh, differently, and he's got his um, his own head. He's his own man. He's uh, going on his own journey. And uh, who knows whether that changes with age. We'll have to uh, wait and see. Greg, uh, always love having a chat. Thank you. Lou Fleming uh, is a very good coach, and I've got a lot of respect for Lou. Uh, good commentator. Uh, she's coached a lot of... Different players across the journey, but I don't know if anyone. <laughs> I don't know who is the perfect coach if Nick ever wanted a coach. I'm going to bring him, uh, Sam Grothick, and Wayne to a few topics set tonight. He's down at Channel 9 uh, HQ, of course, the Tennis on 9 and Stan Sport as we speak. Uh, Grothy, great to have you back on the show. BP, nice to speak to you before midnight. It's the only time I, it's the only time I see you at the moment. He's <laughs> here on set once we get into the other uh, wee hours of the morning. I know. So you're talking to me when I'm actually uh, half awake and um, feeling uh, pretty sprightly. Uh, <laughs> give me three hours, I'll be just about cactus. <laughs> we were just talking about, you know, our favourite topic, Grothy. That's uh, that's Nick Kyrgios. You know, just every, yep. everyone weighing in with an opinion as to, um, you know, where Nick should be and what he should be doing. And, I mean, obviously the narrative has sort of changed across the generation. I think there seems to be more people who are maybe warming to him a little bit and just accepting the fact that, he is going to be what he is. Um, what, what do you take out of his you know, latest campaign at Wimbledon? Um, While well, sitting beside you when he pulled out, and I, we, we had a chat about it, and I sort of predicted probably a set before it happened that he wouldn't get to the end of that match. Um, you could see he was struggling. But, you know, I, I think, to be honest, Nick, he's, and it's exactly what he says. He's going to be who he's going to be. Yep. Um, in this sport, you're relying on no one else other than yourself, I think. For me, I came to accept that from Nick a long time ago um, in the Davis Cup environment. I'd expect more because then he's playing for other people other than himself. Um, but, you know, but, but he is an entertainer. I mean, he showed that this week. As soon as he walked on court, people tuned in, people turned up, people got behind him from the first ball. And, you know, in the end, this, this sport is an entertainment business and, and he's one of the best. That's, that's true. So 
I, I acknowledge that. And um, as I said, I, I've taken my emotion out of it now because, I mean, my you can only go with your natural sort of DNA. And when I put my hand on my heart, I find it easy to support Demonor and Thompson and Millman and Duckworth and these sort of guys and, you know, O'Connell and Pullman oh, who are striving to get inside the top 100 because I just give it everything. And they've got half the ability that probably Nick's got. You know, Nick's got more ability on his little finger than most uh, players uh, running around. So you just hate to see a guy not fill, fulfill his potential. But if yeah. that's not what he wants to be, that's okay. We can all live with that. No, and I think I come from the same point. I mean, I got to where I got to based on hard work. I didn't have the talent that he had. So I think, you know, it's uh, for me to say that I'm accepting of it and, and he is what he is, I, I think it definitely doesn't come from a point of view that I can relate to. No. Um, because that wasn't me. Um, but, you know, in the end, everyone's got to be happy with what they're doing. And if he can lay in bed at night and say that he's happy with the way he's going about that, then, then good on him. So, Grothy, in the wash-up, uh, we have, you know, Duckworth and Thompson who beat some good opponents uh, to get through to the third round. Have you given both of them a tick? Although we did discuss Tom over the weekend of all those third round matches on paper, he appeared to have the, the more comfortable matchup and probably didn't execute as well as he would have liked. But how do you sort of round out the Aussies and then Demonor getting a pretty tough one in quarter in the first round? Yeah, I mean, I think the Aussies, like Wimbledon every year, it's the tournament where we, we can line up and think they're going to have, you know, outside of Australia, their best run for sure. Um, I think you give Ducks a, a really big tick getting to a stage that he's never been to at Grand Slam level before. Yep. I think, Tommy, you've got to give a big tick to getting through Kasparud and Nishikori. That's yeah. two really good wins. But then when you finish the tournament like you did, I mean, I, I think it was a little disappointing, the performance in the third round. Um, you know, it was definitely a huge opportunity for him. So when you look at it like that, um, I'm sure he would have walked away from, from a great week a little disappointed. Um, Pullman's obviously awesome, getting through qualities, winning around. And then I think for the rest of the Aussies, um, you know, performances were okay. Demon's going to be really disappointed. Yeah. Uh, he, he definitely would have thought, even against Quarter, who's been playing great and, and could very well win again today and reach a quarter final, um, you know, Demon would have backed himself in in that match for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah, coming off you know a huge week, um, you know, winning on the grass, he would have liked a yeah much easier uh, draw. That was uh, sort of hitting between the eyes uh, quarter in that uh, first round. But yeah, I mean, look, it's funny because he, he he goes in and he'd been sitting in the twenties for a little while, and suddenly you see his ranking grothy at fifteen. You go fifteen? Oh, that's damn good. Fifteen in the world. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's amazing. But it also, and, uh, it go, I, I think it, for him, a little bit of beneficial for this ranking system right now. So yeah. guys holding points and, mm. you know, it's it's. I think once we get through a full season and we get back to a regular 52-week ranking, I think players have got to make the most of where they sit and maximise. Some guys can really maximise this opportunity and where they are yep. um, you know, because of the way the tournaments are rolling over. And it's complicated. Don't ask me to explain it. I can't even work out how <laughs> it's working right now. It's out of control. But I think for Demon, you know, um, you know, great grass court swing, but he'll, he'll definitely be disappointed with that. So what we've got left uh, as we turn into the second week, I mean, Novak, the short price favourite, he's looking uh, good. Whether yeah. whether Roger can get those old legs uh, going. And then you've got the young bucks, uh, Shepovelov and Corder and Felix and, um, you know, Sonny goes there playing Federer today. And then the other established top tenors who are, uh, normally around this mark, Berrettini and, and Zverev has been consistent getting into the second week. Uh, Medvedev, obviously, is trying to find his groove uh, on the grass, coming off a big five-setter on the weekend. How does the second week shape up for you with the men? Yeah, I mean, he, you'd be um, bold to go against Novak. Um, he, he's been really good again and you know really steps up in week two. I, I think a bit of a changing of the guard, though, this tournament. Obviously, you know, we talk about Novak and Roger, but there's only three guys in the round of 16 over 30 which is a, a big mm. change from what we've seen in recent times. 
Um, you know, we're probably looking at a Berrettini's Zverev matchup in the quarters, one of those guys to make the semis possibly clash. I think Medvedev probably gets through that section. He, he's going to have to beat Roger maybe in a quarter, but I think Medvedev over five sets, the way he moves, and, and Roger hasn't played. I mean, assuming he can get through Senega, opponent of, of that quality uh, in quite some time. So, um, you know, while he's getting matches, I, I think Medvedev probably, oh, maybe Medvedev Berrettini match up in the semis yep. down the bottom for me. I, I think Novak gets through to the final at the top, though. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's like a, uh, climbing, um, you know, Mount uh, Vesuvius. What's the other, what's the other mountain in the world? Mount Vesuvius. I don't know where that even came from. Mount Everest. <laughs> Mount Vesuvius when there's lava on it, maybe. Oh yeah, thank you very much. Starting eight thirty. Hey, Grothy, thank you. We're going to catch you in commentary from uh, from ten with Ash tonight, of course. Yeah, I'll be here. I think I'm on updates. I think Todd, Todd and Yolanda will be in the commentary box. I'll be on updates until you arrive and take over. Beautiful. Good stuff, mate. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Cheers. Sam Groth uh, doing a great job on Channel 9. And Stan Sport, of course, covering uh, this year's Wimbledon Championships. And we'll cross paths a little bit uh, later on with the matchstick eyes. A break. Uh, we'll come back with plenty more on the first serve. A beautiful sunny day at SW19 for week two of the Championships. Uh, Brett Phillips with you. We'll get some scores in just a tick, but uh, Grothy mentioned Mark Polmans, and we, uh, of course, played a bit of uh, Mark uh, on, our, on our socials, on our, on our website last week after he qualified for his maiden uh, Wimbledon. Uh, got through his first round and then uh, played Christian Garin. As you'll hear from Mark and, and uh, Josh Gablich, our man on the ground, has caught up with Mark again over the weekend just to reflect. Uh, this is what he had to say about that match and just his overall Wimbledon experience been awesome this is you know what what we all train for is to play these great these great events and 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 for me to get past my first Wimbledon main draw was a very big highlight for me but I think getting to the qualifying for the first time you know I've lost in the last round of qualifying a few times now at Grand Slam so finally get past that first hurdle and, and get in, and get into the get into the main draw has been awesome you know I had a close match with Garin the other day you know he's a, he's a top 20 opponent and I've played him once before so he was too good on the day but you know I pushed him and and almost was almost able to take to five sets so so I gave myself a good opportunity in the end he was he was better on the day definitely disappointed after especially in the second round of Grand Slam it's very big opportunity for both of us so no matter who I'd play against it's always disappointing to lose against him I led 5-2 in the first set and lost that set 7-6 and, and I ended up having three or four set points in the first and then I lost the four set tie break as well 7-5 so yeah, I checked the stats after he won seven more points I think more than me um, in the match you know that first set unfortunately was was a very big you know, big opportunity missed in the match. He he definitely gained more confidence and and played well in the second set. You know, I was disappointed, but then you know, when you look back a few days later, you look back and go, look, I was in the second round of Wimbledon. So when you look when you realise that, it's, it gives me confidence for sure. So Mark Polman's uh, reflecting. We hope he kicks on. I mean, his work ethic can't be denied, and he deserves at some point to be in double figures in the rankings. But there's he, there's Alex Bolt, there's Chris O'Connell. They're on the cusp. They're talented. Uh, they're all involved in, you know, a lot of tight matches that can go either way and small margins. So, uh, you know, hopefully Mark keeps uh, developing. And as we know, I mean, players are playing some of their best tennis at 28, 29, 30. And a lot of our Aussies are still pretty young. They've still got some development and growth uh, in them. Uh, Jed Zetz is a big part of our team here at the First Serve. He's in the studio with me. We might go around the grounds. Jed is here. Uh, thanks to Asti Tennis Courts, Melbourne's leading synthetic grass court surface and construction specialists. They're trusted by Melbourne tennis clubs and councils. So check out their website, aste.com.au. Welcome, Jed. 
Welcome, uh, thank you, BP. Some breaking news: Nick Kyrgios and Venus Williams have just withdrawn. Uh, uh, that was scheduled to be the fourth match on okay. court number three, so that will not be played as expected. Well, Venus will be absolutely shattered. She looked like she really enjoyed uh, uh, Nick. No, <laughs> I, I think, think she I, liked I think, it. I think she was at one stage just. You know, Venus is very focused. I mean, she's a bit of poker face, Venus. I don't give much away. Very stern out in the tennis court. And, you know, Nick's engaging with the crowd constantly and they're engaging back. And she's trying to stay focused but also enjoy the moment. It was it was a fascinating dynamic. Oh, it was incredible to watch. And Serena, I think there was a bit of FOMO there all over her Instagram, was commenting <laughs> and sharing. So maybe we'll see them match up together at the US Open. Who knows? Uh, around the grounds we go because there are four matches uh, live at the moment for a spot in the quarterfinals. Yes, Iga Sviantex has taken the first set 7-5 over Onsjabur. She's come from a breakdown to a... Uh, yeah, take a one set to love lead. That one's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds, BP. Yeah, well, On's got out to a great start. She got the early break in that match. So uh, Sviantek has uh, certainly worn her down. But two players that play a really good brand of tennis and uh, On Shabur. It's a good story uh, from North Africa, little Tunisia, producing a player that's uh, on the cusp of the top 20. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, having a look at court number three, Elena Rabakina, she dropped the first set 3-6 to uh, the second seed, Arena Sabalenka, but she's up a break in the second 2-1, so we'll keep a close eye on that and see how that unfolds. Okay. Uh, the one that I'm really uh, looking at right now is Seb Korda. Yeah. Court 18, up against the 25th seed, Karen Hachnov, and he's taken the first set 6-3 and 18 winners, 80% first serve points one. Just unbelievable. Uh, 11 out of 13 at the net. He's putting together a marvellous tournament. It's flying. Flying Seb Quarter. So when the other day when people were saying, is it an upset that the world number 50 beats the world number 15 in Demon or in the first round? It's not that much of an upset. I mean, the margins are so small, and Seb Quarter's going to go past Demon or That's the reality of it, mm. in my view. Oh, I, I agree. I think his uh, his ceiling is a lot higher. Um, he's just got a far bigger game and many weapons yep. uh, at, his, at his despair. And we look at court number, is it 17? Uh, yeah, 12. Beratini. Sorry. Berrettini, 6-4, he's taken the first set over yep. the Belarusian Ilya Vashka and is up an early break in the second Should as well. Should get that done in straight, I would think. Yeah, I, I'd, ag- I'd agree there. And Inspire Isla, we'll go and sit and watch Isla a little bit uh, later on. Yes. Barty at 10, Isla's third matchup on the number one court. Uh, plenty of great content, Jed, uh, going up uh, across the weekend uh, from Josh Gavlich, our man on the ground. A couple of good articles today uh, about the extended uh, grass court season. Uh, Val Febo writing that article, so plenty of content at our website. Yeah, plenty. Go have a look. Thefirstserve.com.au. we got Josh Gablich on the grounds at SW19 producing some great content, BP. Good stuff. Uh, more of Jed Zets as soon. Uh, a break. Uh, we're going to come back and listen to Isla Tomlinovich and the War of Words with Ostapenko across uh, the weekend. Also a bit of Priscilla Hahn. You've got something else? Ons Jabeur. She's just broken for a one-love lead oh, in the second set. Oh, I like Ons. She's going very, very nicely. Shane Lena should be nervous at the moment. Uh, watching in uh, from Melbourne, who does all their scouting and uh, data analytics. Uh, we are here thanks to Matthew Steer, accountants and advisors. It's great to have them on board. Work for the accounting firm where you're more than just a number. Uh, visit matthewssteer.com.au for some magnificent career opportunities. Back with more an extended Wimbledon version of the first serve. As we extend a little bit later for the first serve on this Monday night, week two of the championships, fourth round matches are live at the moment. Ash Barty coming up inside an hour. Ola Tomlanovic will be 
a little bit later on into the early hours of uh, Tuesday morning. Other Aussies in action today. How good are the slugs uh, going? Uh, Max Purcell and uh, Luke Saville in the men's doubles. Third round uh, coming up. Let's hope they can keep going. The Australian Open finalists from last year, as uh, Jed confirmed a few moments ago, Kyrgios and Venus Williams are cactus in the mixed doubles. Uh, Nick hasn't come up there, so that's all uh, done and dusted. We've got one boy, as he wasn't the French, in the boys' singles, uh, Philip Sekulich, who's uh, got a much kinder draw this time. He had to take on the top seed in the first round of the boys' singles at uh, Roland Garros. Storm Sanders going around in the women's doubles in the third round tonight. She's in good form, Storm. Arena Rodinova and uh, never, ever forget John Pierce. Uh, they're in the mixed doubles a little bit later on. But certainly the storyline from the weekend is around Isla uh, Tomlanovich. We had on, one on the text here. Good to see Isla make a stand and then uh, go on a whim. Shows mental toughness and hope she can keep uh, going from Zach. Thank you, Zach. Uh, so she's playing Yelena Ostapenko, French Open champion three years ago at 19. Uh, Ostapenko wins the first set. She's coming with the... Uh, the high ranking, uh, second set starts to go Isla's way and then Ostapenko, in the blink of an eye, loses seven games on the trot, which she can do with her style of tennis. So four love is the scoreline in the third set. Normally plays um, at the uneven games. Of course, they had to sit down for a minute and a half or call a physio or some sort of assistance. Yelena sat there after four games and said, I'm not playing anymore. I'm in pain. And I'm not going to move until a physio comes out. Now, sometimes, depending where the court is at Wimbledon, the physio can take a bit of time to come out. They have a chat. It's agreed that she's got to go off court to have a consultation. 13 minutes have elapsed, and Elena Ostapenko has got form in this area. She's done this about 15 or 20 times across her career to halt momentum. Let's hear from Isla Tomlanovic. She was pretty candid. Uh, she talks about that and obviously getting through to tonight's uh, fourth round. My feelings towards winning exceeds any drama that happened because for me, it's a huge moment in my career, especially with everything I've been through. So I'm extremely happy to be in the fourth round for the first time, especially here in Wimbledon. And as far as she goes, look, I've been in situations where players use the medical timeout to get their opponent off, usually when they're losing badly and when it's the match was getting closer to the end. She can say she was injured. I don't think she was. There was nothing wrong with her the whole match, but then why on 4-0, she calls it. I think that that's a clear reason that she just wanted to get me off my game. Usually, if you are dealing with an injury, at least this is how I go about it, you maybe say, hey, can you call the physio on the next changeover? You don't just go and sit down when your opponent's about to serve to go up five love potentially. So that's one. Game-wise, there was nothing wrong with her. From my side, I played her. I played many people. I know when someone's injured and when they're not. And then to top it all off, for her to call me disrespectful at the end of the match is just, at that point, it's laughable. And I think is disgraceful behavior from someone that is a slam champion because kids look at her and, and what they see that. I'm sorry that uh, if she was injured, she could have gone about about it in a way better way. Now, whatever she says, she can say, but this is my opinion on it. I like Josh Gavilich from SCN in Australia. Do you think there should be a way to prevent players from doing this? Because you're right, it did suck out the momentum in the match and you lost the next couple of games. Like it's a tactic that you've obviously questioned her gamesmanship. Yeah, I mean, I think there definitely should be a rule where that we prevent that from happening because it happens way too much in the women's game. So, but I don't know then again how to do it because that sometimes there are legit injuries that you see happen and then it's different, right? But I also think it should be a better call from, I don't know, I mean, the ref said it wasn't in her power, but 
maybe from the physio or whatever. But then again, you cannot, I guess, deny medical help to a player. But the thing is, you can always lie. But this is where sportsmanship comes into play. No matter the rule, this is where, you know, we are like elite athletes in tennis. And I expect more. I mean, I'm in situations many times where I want to do anything to win, but you just don't cross certain things. And I don't know. I, I wish there was a new rule, maybe just that we use it when someone's really in crazy pain. But I don't know. I don't know what to say. What happens in this situation? Do you seek clarification from her or from her team to find out if there was a legitimate injury or do you just move on and forget about it? Why I went off was because she went at 4-0 when I was about to serve. She could have waited one more game and got the physio out. And if she did that at 4-1 or 5-0, I would probably have a smirk, wouldn't say much to the ref. I would just ask, what's her injury? But the fact that she did it at 4-0 when I was about to serve, that's to me, like, that's just disrespectful. It's not what you do, especially at Wimbledon. I mean, it's like the pinnacle of sport, the place we played in, and you do that. Um, and I'm just honestly tired of it. I'm tired of it happening and seeing it happen. We can do better than that. I haven't asked her if she's okay. I don't think she probably even wants to talk to me and... Um, um, I, I wish her well, like if, if she had any sort of pain or injury, I hope she gets better. Doesn't excuse the way she did it. Is this an issue you're more sensitive to, particularly maybe after what happened in the Huahin final with Yashemska? I'm wondering if you have some history there. And then also just what you sort of make, of, I guess, if she if Osmeko had an existing reputation. And then also uh, just even the match, what it's like playing her with how sort of wild and up and down a player she can be game-wise. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. That match did come into play when this happened. I did think back to, you know, but you saw my reaction back then. I didn't make a scene. I, I was upset, but this was... I just want to make it clear for me, it was a huge problem that it was at 4-0. But I mean, up until then, I didn't have any problems with her. I played her before and I know how she is, I, but I'm usually pretty good at blocking out stuff during the match. I don't, I mean, half the time I don't hear my own team, so um, I don't hear that stuff. It doesn't bother me. Uh, but maybe, maybe the fact that it happened to me now a few times, I was definitely more sensitive. Yeah, I mean, I was up 4-0 with the momentum feeling great. And obviously, she wasn't playing her best at that time. So I did get a little more emotional. But I mean, I have no regrets with what I said to her. You know, I started the match and I through the rain delay, I told my dad, you know, I'm feeling so slow. But it wasn't that I was that much slower. It was just she plays fast and she plays deep and big. But then she's got good hands as well. So she really pressured me from the beginning. And I felt like if I just can get a few points where I get her just feeling the pressure a little bit score wise I knew that I would get an opening and, and that's exactly what happened I didn't expect this third to go like that I you know I was happy obviously but I thought um she played a little bit loose in the, in the third but with the way I, I played I think I forced her to give me more errors and, and get her feeling you know the pressure I'm wondering uh, you mentioned earlier that overcoming your problems and I'm just wondering what you've had to overcome to get to this point and also you're playing um the new darling of British tennis who won you know she's the wild card and I'm wondering have you ever played her do you know anything about her and do you think that she will have this advantage now with the crowd behind her yeah well I think when COVID hit everyone struggled uh, in their own ways um, I didn't take it that well and and some of my some of the issues I've had that maybe I didn't realize before came to surface and it was really hard to deal at one point so it did reflect on my tennis and I you know I've dealt just I mean nothing crazy just regular things that an athlete goes through but it just felt a little heightened in the times of when we couldn't play and then we we're playing in bubbles and um, you're 
away from home a lot. But in general, you know, my whole career, I always strive to do more and, and get better. And, and maybe I expected more from myself over the years. And at the same time, I'm putting in a lot of work. I'm kind of waiting for that moment. And it got to me, I think, at the age of 27, it definitely got to me where I'm like, okay, well, when is it going to happen? When is it going to click? And then you question like a lot of things. So it was, there were so many small steps that I had to take over the last year where wins that maybe to someone don't look big, but to me were so precious. So making the fourth round here is just such a huge pat on, on the back to myself and the people around me that saw it. So I'm very proud of that, no matter, you know, how, how I go from here. But I mean, Emma has been playing great. I actually haven't seen her play much. I saw a few highlights from, from the match with Serana. So she seems like a really solid baseliner, big game. How great is it to make fourth round when you're 18 in your in your home slam. It's unbelievable. So she will definitely have the crowd, but I think it will be my first experience on a bigger court in Wimbledon. So crowd, no crowd. I think it's going to be so fun for me just to go out there and play. And yeah, I hope we both, you know, play our best and whoever wins, wins. There she is, Ola Tomlinovich at the end, talking about her opponent, the young 18-year-old Emma Redekandu of Great Britain uh, tonight and fairly candid. And I've got to say, I'm right in her corner. Uh, she's got history, Ostapenko. There's a lot of things in tennis that uh, delay continuous play. Uh, it's too much time spent off court, particularly at the end of sets where there's no clock. Uh, I mean, players are going and taking a shower, change of clothes, having a snack. There's uh, fans in the stand who want to see more tennis. So tennis has got to tighten up in a in a lot of areas. Uh, quick break. We're going to come back. Priscilla Hon. We're going to go inside quarantine with pre next. Welcome back to the first serve. Uh, one player that's not at uh, Wimbledon. In fact, she's come back home. Priscilla Hon uh, has missed a lot of tennis in the last 12 to 18 months with a hip injury. Uh, took off French Open, Wimbledon qualifying, played a couple of tournaments just to get herself back into some competition play. But she's come back to Australia to lay a bigger foundation so she can go back on the road. Roddy Reynolds, a great writer for our uh, website, thefirstserve.com.au, uh, caught up with uh, Priscilla across the weekend. Yeah, that was the plan the whole time. So when obviously my hip took me out for like a year, I basically left as soon as I was going to kind of stay in one piece to play. So I only played points really like a week before I left. So I was very underdone. The goal was to just get me in shape enough to just go. So yeah. obviously wasn't training the whole as much as I wanted to be, but that was kind of our progression. Left as soon as I could and then the first couple of weeks because I was so underdone, barely played. It was tough kind of trying to, you know, play at that level. Like I kept comparing myself how I was playing a year and a half ago. Yeah. Sure. And obviously it wasn't even close to it. So it was it was pretty tough in the first three weeks to get that comparing side of things out of my head. <laughs> yeah, and so that obviously would be a frustration. I imagine you're out on court, you're thinking, myself, yeah. 18 months ago, I can make that ball, I can I can hit that, I can hit that shot. As your tour progressed though, did you get to play with like a sense of freedom of no expectations? I'm just here for a short few weeks to see how it goes. Yeah, like the last Two weeks were a lot better. Um, by Wimby, I was feeling really confident with my game and everything. Started feeling quite comfortable on the court again. Obviously, I was coming back after Wimby, but it kind of ended up working out well because my hip got quite sore after that last match. Um, so I haven't been able to do a whole lot after. Obviously, I'm in quarantine, but I, um, have to, I'm going back to rehab at the moment. So hopefully my hip isn't too bad um yeah. but 
yeah, hopefully I'll be able to leave on time. It's now about building a foundation, is it? Because you said you've got sort yeah. you played a really long match um, after two very successful and very, well, I guess, relatively brief uh, qualifying matches and then coming into the third match was long three-setter. Um, is it now about building up a foundation so that you can leave again at some point? And yeah, exactly. And that's why I we were planning on the shorter trip to since I haven't been able to do much it's kind of just coming back and being able to train and get my body right again, strong enough, and then go again for a longer period of time. Otherwise, if I kept going, I don't know how much my hip could take and might make my trip shorter and make it worse. The physios were saying that they didn't think I would make it to French Open. So it was already amazing that I could make French. So were you advised to maybe give it a miss, but you... Or, or you, you you just improved at such a rapid rate. That it would improve that quickly. Oh, that's yep. that's pretty cool. Um, yep. because you, your first tournament being the French, did you play on clay after that? No, I played two more tournaments on clay. How's yeah, that? Was, it's actually not terrible because it's quite soft. This tournament, when I played in bowl, and it rained like a lot the night before and so when I played the clay was super soft and it got delayed my match got delayed a few hours because it was too soft but when I did play almost every time you'd run out wide or run for a jockey you I'd like almost fall over and I fell over like twice so (laughs) that wasn't great for it but I mean the clay in general was obviously longer matches and a bit of more of a grind but the soft clay was pretty good for it. Is it something you have to check yourself with mentally because obviously you're a competitor so your instinct is to win and to do whatever it takes to win but then obviously you've got these these physical limitations as well so how have you found managing I suppose that balance? Lucky enough the first couple of like basically the whole trip I was pretty good um, and even like I was comfortable enough with my hip and trusting it that it would hold up so it doesn't really bother me too much. If I left even earlier than I wouldn't be trusting and I'd be scared the whole time. At my last match at Wimby, I started feeling it go a little bit, um, but I obviously didn't know. Like it didn't bother me too much that changed anything I did on the court, but it yeah. was. it's there, but I'm like, I'll just deal with it after. It's not like I did something crazy and it suddenly, like I fell or hear something go. It's fine. I'm trusting it pretty well. There she is, Priscilla Hon. So that full chat has just gone up on our website, uh, thefirstserve.com.au with uh, Roddy Reynolds uh, uh, interviewing Priscilla. Hopefully we'll see her back uh, and playing more in 2021-2022, uh, thefirstserve.com.au. Check out uh, that full uh, interview. Uh, let's go back to SW19 for Matthew Steer, accountants and advisors. Work for the accounting firm where you're more than just a number. Visit matthewsteer.com.au. For career opportunities, I bring back in Josh Gablich. Josh, the sun is out. It's a beautiful day. Fourth round action. Some of these matches are very interestingly poised at the moment. Yeah, spot on. The Sabalenka match is the one I've spent a little bit of time out this morning and we know her history. She's never been past the fourth round of a Grand Slam. It's been a big stumbling block for her and it looks like maybe there are some mental issues when you think about how well she was playing in that that first set and early in that second set. So to drop that second set to Rabakina could be a long way back from here. Mm. So one to keep an eye on for sure. I've just been watching Sebi Gorder. I'm up on the roof of the broadcast centre where all the, oh. all the radio and TV crosses are, are done. And it's just perched above Sebastian Corder. And I've been intrigued by him, obviously, since he knocked out Diminor in that first round. And, and, and I've kept an eye on him. He's, he's so exciting. And obviously, his family history has made him 
interesting as well when you think about uh, his old man and what he's done. And he's been a rising star in American tennis for a little while, so one to keep an eye on as well. But you're right. The weather's been pretty good so far today. They did predict they, there might be some showers in the middle part of the day. Not that it will affect yep. either Ash Barty or Isla Tomjanovic, given they're playing on the indoor courts, but we hope it stays away because it just adds to the atmosphere and the mood on day seven. Yeah, indeed. So Corder and Hutchinov have set a piece. Uh, Anjabur has taken the second set of games for Yontek, so that's going to go to a third. And we go to a third, Robert Kenner and Sabalenka. So the women's matches are going uh, the journey. It looks like Matteo Berrettini is going to take a two sets to love lead against... Ivashka. So that is the live action. Uh, Josh, you're going to be with us right throughout the evening, of course, as part of our first serve coverage, which you can follow us through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, also at our website, thefirstserve.com.au. Uh, uh, we look forward to your coverage uh, right throughout the night, my friend. Very much looking forward to it, Brett. I'll chat to you again soon. Thank you, Josh. Josh Gabalich uh, in the grounds of SW19 on a beautiful day where I've seen people just put on the sunscreen uh, plenty. Jed Zetsa, last word uh, goes to you, Jed. Karen Kachanov has just taken the second set to level his match against Seb Korda, and Seb Korda has spent two hours and 37 minutes longer on court this tournament, so that may catch up with him. All right, we're going to follow the young man. He's only 20. He looks older. He, uh, I feel like he's about 25, but he's mm. achieved so much in a, a short amount of time. Uh, Matthew Steer, accountants and advisors, great to have you on board. Uh, visit matthewsteer.com.au. They've got magnificent career opportunities. They are the accounting firm where you're more than just a number. So follow us through our socials. Follow us through thefirstserve.com.au. Right throughout the week, you will not miss a beat. Catch all the action on Channel 9 and Stan Sport. For the remainder of the uh, French Open, French Open, Wimbledon. And we can only hope for an Aussie lifting the trophy. Come on, Ash. Let's get it done. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.